Hey, bye. What a late night of state of the New York Knicks pod. Episode 30. Welcome, my guy, Mr. Mitchie. Mookie. Mitch. Money Mitch. What's up, my guy? Hey, how you going, brother? Yeah, I'm all good down here. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm enjoying this win right now. You know, it's <laughs> it's been a a, a a a bad week as far as the articles is concerned about the Knicks, but we'll get into that a little later. <laughs> so, right now, let's get right into it. Episode three, yo. I it's a huge episode. Thirty episodes into this dreadful season. How you feeling, man? How you, how you feeling about the season so far, man? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a season that I expected. Um, I knew that we weren't going to win many games. I knew that it was uh, basically a uh, a learning a learning season for all the young guys. Um, a season for them to, I guess, get adjusted to the uh, to the speed of the NBA game um, and, and get uh, like play for roster spots, I guess, for next year. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's been, as a, again, not, it's been a season that I kind of expected. So, uh, I haven't been disappointed with the way Fizz has developed the young cats. So, um, it's heading in the right direction, put it that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, a player that we don't normally mention a lot, Damian Dotson, um, is a player... You know, I kind of like um, – we don't really, you know, get to talk much about Damian Dotson. You don't really see too many articles about him. But he's been the most consistent player on the Knicks all season, even when he's sat. I know um, Iso Zoe's been out for a month. It, well, it feels like forever, eternity. But, um, yeah, man, show some love to Damian Dotson, man, real quick. Um, Luke Cornette, oh, looking like a keeper. How you feeling about Luke Cornette? Yeah, well, he's um, definitely upped his game from obviously uh, earlier earlier in the season. Um, uh, can shoot the three ball uh, and pretty consistently too. Uh, the only thing I, I suppose I get worried about, like he's he's still for for me anyway, he's still a little bit one dimensional in the sense that I think teams might work him out really quickly and um, it, it might slow him down on, on that end, on the offensive end. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's another player that you can you can keep on the bench, right at the end of the bench, um, come in the game, get you some threes, um, get you some rebounds. Um, you know, and he's, I, will, I will say, though, he is working well when he's teamed on the court with Mitch. So that, that's a good thing, I suppose, too. Um, I definitely agree. Uh, the kid's been – I think he got two blocks today. Um, he uses his length, obviously. Um, deep range threat from three. I like his game. Another guy uh, I, I, I mean, mention. Seen, uh, I guess put on a bit more, bit more muscle. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. His rebounding must go up for a seven for the – I, I get on Kevin Knox about his rebounding, but, you know, the kid's still 19. These kids is G League players and first-year players, so it, it, it doesn't really bother me. Um, Mario Hazonia, how you – how you? well, for me, the Swiss, the point guard, was just some 2K-like <laughs> fantasy draft thing, but I, I like the move. How, how, how you feel about it? Yeah, well, um, <clears throat> I guess before the move – I mean, I probably was like a lot of people wasn't too high on him because, you know, he'd have his games, but then, you know, sort of disappear in others. But now that they've they've started trialling him at, at PG and he's included more and and um, he's more focused, and he, of course, he's, he's on the ball way more than he's ever been. Um, yeah, I, I actually like the idea. Um, he surprised me. He really has surprised me. Um, 
you know, he he's, he went from what um what well, just in the last two games he was he was getting only what eight point six points on the season, and in the last two games he's uh, <laughs> nearly double what more than doubled that. Yeah, the last three four last couple games actually he's been playing well. Twenty nine points the other night, triple double game right after this game thirty points. I mean, damn. I, I I would bring him back on a two or three year eight million dollar contract. I think I would definitely have to consider bringing him back. You could play him one through four, positionless. And I see that that's where David Fisdale is going. So yeah, man. Yeah, I just I, I just felt like you know at the start of the show we just had to show the 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 others some love, man. We don't really get to talk about them too much, but. Let's get right into these 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 draft sleepers. So we've been we've been talking about it for about a week now about our draft sleepers. So um, I I, I will let you start because I got oh. some draft sleepers. I, I, I um yours first. I got a good five for you. No worries, man. No worries. Um, I guess, well, first off, I'll um, talk about my first uh, sleeper, which is uh, DeAndre Hunter. Uh, 6'7", 225 pounds. Um, he, he's uh, known more for his defensive side. Um, but lately, he's been up in his game before they got knocked out. Um, his shooting ability and defensive potential, I believe, is dangerous combination. Um, and yeah. should make him a high impact player actually at the at the NBA level. Um, you know, he, he might obviously not go in the top five or six. Um, he could even go even seven, eight, maybe maybe even lower. It just depends, I guess, how teams are viewing him. Um, but he is an intriguing option. Like he's he's averaging fifteen point two points with five point two rebounds and two point two assists per game while shooting 53.3% from the field and 47.3% from the three-point range, which, oh which is pretty good percentage. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, what, what, what is his best? Yeah, well, he's, again, his best skill um, pretty much all season, and, and he was viewed this way at the, at the start of the season – as a defensive specialist, um, and 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 a lot of scouts and a lot of a lot of players around the league, well, they weren't sure on what he was like on the offensive end. Um, and then about halfway through the season, he just, I guess you could say, burst out of his bubble. Like he started showing what he could do on the offensive side. But yeah, his his defensive acumen um, is is flawless. Like he's. Um, yeah, he can. He block shots. He what? He's getting what five rebounds um, on the year. So that that number is not too bad for for his position too, because he plays um, he plays in, uh, like shooting guard and small forward. Yeah. So um, I mean that that could also get better as well. But um, like he stays locked on his guy. Um, he's very hard to get past. Um, He's um, he's not too bad at getting steals as well, um, but yeah, he he's um, he's come along leaps and bounds. As I said, uh, from about halfway through this season, when it comes to his offensive game, um, again his field goal percentage being fifty one point eight and forty two point four from three. Um, that's that's pretty good percentages for a guy that there was wasn't a, as I said there was a lot of mystery um, to begin the year around his offensive. Mm. Um, more sort of looked at as on a newbie from the Raptors. Yeah, I agree. Oh, uh, hey, can you just go just go back for like one minute of what you were saying? Oh yeah, well as as I was saying, um, at at the start of the season, of course, he was more looked at in the light of of an. OG, OG Ananubi uh, in the defensive light. Um, but again, as I said, uh, halfway through the season, he's come leaps and bounds right out of his shell 
when it comes to his offensive game. Um, 42.4% from, from three is, is, is not too shabby. And um, field goal percentage 51.8, again, is pretty decent as well. That's that's good. I've I, I seen draft boards that had him as high as eight, and I've seen others that had him as low as 19. So he could be a sleeper. He could be a guy if the Knicks – Sneak into the first round. We get another first round pick. He could be a guy we can we can get with that that second pick. I, I, I believe so. Um, who's yeah. who, who's your second guy? Okay, my second guy, um, and I'm, I know you like this guy uh, is Brandon Clark, uh, the six eight, two hundred fifty pound uh, from Gonzaga. Uh, there, yeah, he's a beast. He's a beast. I like yeah. him. I got yeah. that's all. It's funny because he was he was one of my picks as well. So I'll just I'll just follow up with 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 what you say and when you're done. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's uh, on on the season sixteen point nine points for season with uh, eight point six rebounds, sixty eight point seven field goal percentage. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean. Yeah, he, he's been ridiculous. Like, he's, again, like, um, I think we talked about it before. Um, he is their defensive anchor. Um, that That is for sure. Um, and, and, you know, I've envisioned, like, if we sort of managed to get it back into the first round, because I see him maybe he could be in the teens somewhere um, or maybe even in the early 20s on, on picks-wise. Um Again, it, it, it all depends on our team's view, in which, I mean, there, there should be some scouts out there that should view him uh, really high too because he, he's been very consistent um, all season. And then heading into March Madness and that, he, he was just up his game to another level. And um, what was I was trying to think, what was he getting blocks-wise, um, percentage-wise? Percentage-wise, well, he shoots... It, the, the the thing about Brandon Clark, he shoots fifty six percent. He shoots twenty two percent. Well, he, he only shot nine career threes, so he he got to improve. You know his jump shot all around probably change his mechanics. Um, his per forty is twenty four points per game, twelve rebounds per game, four point five blocks. 2.5 assists and 1.7 steals. And he's doing it while shooting 70%. Well, basically 71%. And you take those numbers into per 100 possessions, per 100 possessions, and no one has never equaled that amount and since the sports reference started its database. So you see a guy, also, you see a guy who's had the highest BPM rating since 2010, 2011, the other two is Zion Williamson and Anthony Davis. So, some more stats for you. His PER yeah. is 37, right behind Zion Williamson. He's second in the country in effective field goal percentage, right behind Zion Williamson at 69%. He's first in the country in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. And he's fourth in the country in win shares and second in win shares per 40. Whew. on the defensive end who can score on the perimeter who could probably work on his game outside to the three-point line I'm pretty sure you know Fisdale could find a way or Scott Perry find a way in the first round he'll probably pick Brandon Clark pretty sure about that um yeah I like him as a player too man I definitely yeah. agree he's He's gonna be a beast, man. That thirty-six point eight rebounds, five blocks, man. That's yeah, fifteen for I have dreams about him and him and Mitch if we manage to sneak back in, and, and he's there. Because um, again, that'd be another case scenario of um, yeah, good luck getting to the rim, like into the paint. So imagine, imagine we get Zion and get him. <laughs> yeah, and then and then take him with Mitch, you know. Oh my goodness! Fisdale, <laughs> Fisdale will play Zion at point guard. He'll play Brandon Clark at the three. 
they would put KD at the two. <laughs> exactly. And I know agree. Really just um on the other day when that season. So I mean, obviously pick that then he's times and when Got the ball up and hey, Mister hey, Mitch, you can do me a favor and go back at least one minute of what you're saying. Sorry. Yeah, he's definitely got. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's Brandon Clark. He's an enigma, man. He's an enigma. He's, he's a guy that I probably fully won't understand until he gets to the NBA. That's that, that's what I think about him. Um, who's your third guy? All right, my third guy might be a little surprising, but um, it's a guy by the name, and th- th- he, again, he could either go in the late, really late first, or he could be even in the second round there, is Admiral Schofield. From Tennessee. Oh, I seen that dunk he did on that guy earlier this year. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he he erupted against uh, the nation's number one team, sinking. He he sunk Gonzaga with a uh, thirty points on six three point makes. Oh. Um, his shot making ability has completely reached a new level from like earlier in the season, and that um, he's made at least two triples. Um, in in Tennessee's last in in Tennessee's last five games oh. that they played, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if there's a if there's like a slight negative on him, he, he's not overly elusive, I guess, off the off the dribble. Um, he's only shooting forty eight percent at the rim, but in saying that, he's six six, two hundred and forty pounds. Um, he um he should draw looks I, I would imagine for his strong physical tools and, and shooting particularly if he, he continues at his current rate which is uh what two two point four two threes per game on forty one point three percent shooting from three point line um so he, again he's another guy that I reckon could possibly be like a um a typical um you know a wing I defender I guess compare him to well. Hmm. Who's a defensive? Jeremy Grant? Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Grant. And I mean I mean for his if if, if not that like with his three point shooting, I guess he may be like similar to like uh, like a Danny Green, but like a little bit more um athleticism obviously. Uh, I agree. I I agree. It, these kids is coming out really athletic, man. I don't know what's in the water. Now. Oh yeah, yeah. Like they they coming out. Of, they coming out tall. They coming out with ball handling. It, 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 it's a nice sight to see, man. It's a nice sight to see. So, got that, got your number four guy. Who's your number five guy? Oh, the number five guy is a um, is a guy who's. Uh, He's got a very hard name to pronounce. Um, I'll see if I can get this right. Ignas Brazdikas from Michigan. Oh, I, see, I see him play. I see him play. I see him couple. Yeah. Um, he, he's averaging 17 points. Um, he's, he's been a very early surprise, actually. I, I've been quite impressed in the couple of games I have caught uh, with his ball handling and shot making. Um, and just his all-round toughness. Um, I mean, if if you to buy into him, you might have to look, overlook at the moment his his athletic limitations for for I guess a, a forward. Like he, he does lack a little bit of quickness, but you could still feel comfortable because he you know he comes in at six seven, two hundred fifteen pounds. Um, he goes in between the three and the four, um, where he can stretch the floor. Um, he's twelve of. 31, I think, from deep. Um, or he's good at face-up and attack off the dribble as well. Um, he ranks in the 95th percentile in spot-ups 
He's made nine of 20 non-dribble jumpers, uh, two of five pull-ups, two of three runners and seven of nine takes to the basket. So, yeah, he's – yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, again, he's another guy that I could see going late in the first round or, or in the second round somewhere. Um, you know, he, he, he's not going to be a star player, obviously, but he would be – Definitely a good role player. Um, I'd like to, as again, I'd like to see him get a little bit stronger. Um, maybe see if he can get a little bit more quickness heading into the NBA. Um, but again, he's got again, he's got good size and and he can stretch the floor um, and shoot from shoot from deep. So that's good attributes for a small forward, power forward. Um, yeah, I could I could see us even sneaking in and getting him if if the others I've mentioned. I'm not available. Okay. I, I, I see from the highlights I've seen from him, seem like he has good ball handling skills. Um, seem like he could get to the basket. I seen him go over the top on a couple guys. Um, he seems like a pretty good player. Well, do you have his percentages on here? Um, hang on a second. I'm pretty sure a good field goal percentage in the free throw percentage from what I've seen. He's averaging field goal percentage. That's not too bad numbers. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's not too shabby. I like yeah. that. So, so repeat your five again. All right, so they were obviously uh, Ignis Brzezikis, um, Brandon Clark, yeah, uh, DeAndre Hunter, yeah. Um, who is the last guys there? I just mentioned um, that's four there. Uh, that's actually three. Oh, is that free? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess the other so guy I did want to... The Admiral Schofield. That's one, yep. And number five. Number five. I don't yeah, number five. five. I think you said four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say your fifth one. I think you only said four. My four. Yeah, five. yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's all good. It's all good, brother. Okay, well, my fifth guy is uh, a guy that uh, I guess a lot of people are familiar with is PJ Washington. Um, Out of Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, 6'8", 228 pounds, um, averaging 15.2 points on the season with 7.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Uh, he's shooting 52.2% from the field goal and – Forty-two point three percent from three. Um, his his free throw uh, free throw percentage is sixty-six point three, uh, and his purse twenty-six point one. Oh, that's that's impressive. That's yeah, impressive. yeah, he's um he's been balling pretty much all season. Again, he's a he's another guy. Uh, another reason why I picked as a sleeper. He, he's consistent. Um, I, I think he'll get stronger too. Um. But yeah, he, he's got a he's got a good quick first step as well for forward, um, and he's got some moves. So um, again, with his statistics on the season, he'd be another good get as well um, because he can get up there, get your rebounds. Um, I don't know what his block percentage is, but like I have just on the eye test watching games, um, I've seen games where he's, where he's got a few blocks as well. Um, but yeah, he's um, he'd be a good good power forward. I, I would imagine just six. Uh, six eight, yeah, nearly two hundred and thirty pounds again. That's what we need. We need a lot of size. I I I see that most of the players that you have are wing players. I see. I noticed that. Yeah. Um, let me get, let me get into my five. Well, four actually, because one we we spoke about Brandon Clark, so I don't really need to get into Brandon Clark. So, <laughs> my first guy. Is a guy I told you about, Jalen LeQuay. He's currently 
playing in high school at Brewster Academy in New Hampshire. Um, he's from the Bronx, New York, 6'4", 185 pounds. He is a fifth-year senior currently in high school, and he just graduated. So he's testing the waters from the NBA. I believe he submitted his form to, to the NBA last week, so they're waiting on a answer. Um, I noticed him about a year ago going through YouTube, and you see a guy, you see Baby Westbrook, so you know I started clicking on Clicking on him, clicking on the stats. Um, right now in the postseason Peace Jam, he only averaged fifteen points. Uh he only averaged fourteen points for his AAU season for twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Um, he wasn't the main cog on his team, but still explosive point guard, hence the nickname Baby Russell Westbrook. Um, he's not much of a shooter. He only made nine threes out of 57. But, you know, with this guy, I believe Scott Perry would be able to find the gym. And I believe that he's one of the guys he will look at. You know, the Knicks management, scouting department, you usually have a way to find guys who's under the radar. I believe Jalen LeQuay is under the radar. Six four point guard, like I said, big wingspan, about 6'10 wingspan. Um, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, he's a high flyer, leaper. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, I, I showed you, I sent you his YouTube video just to try to give you a glimpse of of, of what he is and who he is. But I believe Fizdale will find a way to, you know, grab this kid, probably make a trade of one of our guards, you know. But that's my first guy. Um. My second guy is Nazir Little from Oh Carolina. yeah. Um I like Nazir Little. He averaged four point six rebounds. That you could tell right there that he uses his seven foot two wingspan. Um he grabs boards, even though he had an underwhelming season. He only averaged nine point four points, forty six percent. Shooting from the field, twenty six percent from three, seventy six percent from the free throw line. But if you notice, his free throw is seventy, about seventy seven percent. So that you can see right there that is a shooter somewhere. Um, it just depends on what NBA team finds him. He only averaged about eighteen minutes per game. You know, on North Carolina, they usually don't play freshmen unless your name yeah. is Michael Jordan. So um, yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, he's explosive, powerful, gets to the rim. Um, he, he, he's a nice player, man. I think if we was to make a trade or, or, or Fizdale wanted to bring in another wing, another young wing, I think they would trade in the first round, probably grab a guy like Nazir Little. Um, I think he would be good in Knicks uniform. Um, he was known for his defense in high school. Didn't really impact the floor on defense in college. Um, and that's the reason why, you know, his, his coach, you know, usually doesn't even play freshmen. So, you know, that's why he's just sat him on the bench and only played him for 18 minutes. But I'm not too worried about that. Um, that's the way they always been at North Carolina. So that's why I got nothing my third sleeper. And this guy, I'm just hoping – if the Knicks could just get another lottery pick, I wouldn't mind us at ball ball. And I know a lot of people don't like ball ball because he kind of reminds you of Porzingis. You know, the tall guys with the skinny legs, you know, want the injuries. And, you know, ball ball, seven foot three, seven foot eight wingspan. This guy got game, man. He, he plays on the perimeter. But he's mind you, seven foot three. Um, yeah. his block finish was twelve point four in his nine games. Um, Miles Turner block percentage in college was twelve point three. So that shows you he could be an exceptional shot block in the NBA. Um, he's almost um getting ten rebounds on the season too. Yeah, and that's for a guy who's not even in his man body yet. He's seven foot three. 
you know, he committed a mere 2.2 personal fouls per 40 minutes. So it shows that he knows how to use his body and, and, and not, you know, commit fouls. Um, yeah. Her blocks per 40 minutes was 4.7. So that shows you he could definitely be an elite shot blocker at the next level. He has a natural shooting motion that I really love, and I know that it's going to translate to the NBA. He has a rare touch from three with he- – He has a natural shooting motion. Um, He shot 52% from three wow, in those nine games, and – that shows on 2.8 attempts, but that shows that he's capable of knocking that three down. And you could build a seven-foot-three guy that could do some things like that. Um, he has a beautiful – he has beautiful footwork, advanced around the rim. He got leaning jumpers, fall-away jumpers. Um, he could recover at most times on perimeter shooters. Um I'm not really too worried about the injury stuff. He, he took off for he took off the season for a reason, you know, get his body right, train. Um he shot fifty seven percent from two. Yeah. yeah. Seventy five point seven from uh the free throw line too. Oh man, and very impressive that this man of that height basically a Porzingis type of player can shoot from that long range, but also protect the rim. Mind you, he's only 19 years old. And I'm pretty sure that if Bobo continues on the trajectory that he's going to be at, I believe he's going to be a great player. And I, I, I like what he brings to the game. I like that he could play the four or the five I, position. I, I reckon too, um, just looking at him, uh, his build wise, he actually might be built a lot better and a lot bigger than his dad. Yeah, yeah, most most definitely. And his dad was a great shot blocker as well. Um, yeah, he's most definitely built better than his father. He he has, I I say, a thicker lower body than his father. You know, his father was very tall, extremely skinny. But he, he, he seems like a keeper, man. If you could get around the 10th to the 15th pick and Bobo's there and people scared to take him, I think the Knicks would take a chance on him if we could sneak in the first round again. And my last guy, because we both spoke about Brandon Clark, um, I really like Kevin Porter Jr. now. <laughs> <laughs> And I will admit, you made me a believer. I've been watching this guy quietly for about two to three weeks now. And I I must tell you, man, the kid is a stud, man. He's 19. Well, he's going to be 19. Kid is a stud, high flyer, rebounds the ball, um, lefty. He, he, He gives me a James Harden feel. Um, oh, yeah. Like when I showed his step back, bro, he, his step back, he was so comfortable like Harden's comfortable with his. Yeah, and I noticed that he has a, a nice shooting stroke. And he could shoot the ball from deep, plus 30% from the three-point three range. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy, is another enigma, as I would say, that – you, if you can get him between the 18th and the 25th pick, I think you might have to take a chance. Even though we got ISO, I know Fizdale will just find a way to just throw him in there, sprinkle him in there for about 10 to 15 minutes, see what he could do. Because I yeah. know any draft pick that we get for and that I'm 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 I'm. Extreme. And I hope that we can definitely get into the first round again. But let's see what um, Scott Barry can do. Um, now, let's get into the email, right? Um, 
um, I spoke about it a little bit the other day. I didn't get a chance to ask you about it. So yeah. I definitely would I give you the floor. I would like for you to tell me how you feel about it. I know how I feel about it. Uh, I just want to know how you feel about it. I never really got the chance to hear from you personally. Yeah, well, um, well first off, I, I'm, I'm glad that they they did an email and, and sent it out to the fans because um, you don't you don't hear of that too often. Um, teams, you know, sort of allowing the fans just you know inside behind the scenes of what they're what they're planning and stuff like that. But I thought that was good uh, good on Scott Perry, and and it wouldn't shock me if that was his idea too. Yeah, um, yeah. not shocked. Yeah. Not, shock. I, I um, not to cut you off real quick, I'm gonna let you continue. I think they got tired of the post on Instagram and social media about trading the kids, but continue. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, I've got to agree with you on that too. Yeah, um, I mean Scott Perry. Uh, uh, I mean, again, as you know, I, I could go on and on and on about about the man um, and and his um, you know what he's done before he got to the Knicks. Um, I mean, you know, the, I, I think he's he's putting in place to to really put it simply and short, he's pu- he's putting in place a similar uh, system of going about things like he did at the uh, at the Sacramento Kings. Um, you know, building building through the draft, um, giving these young guys a chance. You know, not not going to risk it all. I'm glad he he specifically came out too and said that he he's not interested, or him and uh, Steve Mills are not interested at all whatsoever in trading for Anthony Davis, um, because you know, I mean, he stayed the course when he was over at Sacramento, and look look how they're doing, you know, and, and they added a. a pieces, you know, um, once they drafted the Aaron Fox and them boys, they added, uh, what, Harrison Barnes and, and a few others. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, looking at what he did there, uh, he's doing pretty much it. That, that's why I, I love the man. He's, he's doing the same thing here. He, he's looking at these young guys and he's developing these young guys, you know. He, he wouldn't have, you know... Uh, as, as I've told you, I'm not 100% sold on Dennis Smith Jr., but uh, obviously Scott Perry, I mean, he's not he's not going to just go and trade and, and, and ask for Dennis Smith Jr. in the trade for no yeah, reason at all. Know he he obviously stays. You know what's funny? My fault to cut you off. I'm going to let you go. He definitely mentioned yeah. Smith Jr. in the email, bro. Exactly, exactly. And... um you know, I'm not, I'm not one, I'm not one to give up on the young guys. I, I, I don't want them to get rid of, with, rid of Dennis Smith Jr. because I, I'd rather him stay on the team and prove me wrong. Um, you know, I, I hope that what I do see in him, like he, and what, what I don't see in him, he improves in that, those areas. You know what I mean? So, and he's young. Again, he's young. So I'm one not to give up on the young guys too quickly because, uh, as we all know, that if you, if you do, that can um, generally nine times out of ten come back to bite you in the ass because uh, <laughs> they'll go off somewhere else and they do get better and they become all-stars and, you know. So I'm glad he referenced Dennis Smith in, in the email. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's he's explained that he's, he's following the path of, of – building young and, and going through the draft and then, of course, trying to add pieces, you know, veterans, of course, in, in free agency to help these young guys. Um, hopefully they get bring in the right vets, you know, to, to mould these guys for the future. Um, but the path he, he's setting, and, and it's in reality, it's the patient path and, and that's probably the best path to take because, um, as I've said many times, you know, you see it too many times where, you know, uh, they might get pressure from the fan bases and stuff like that in whichever city you're in, and uh, they decide to take shortcuts. And whether that amounts to short-term success or no success in general, um, it's it's yeah, it's not really the way to go. I mean, you look at how the Warriors have done it. I've always respected the way they've they've gone about it, hence yeah. why they've built such a a strong team through the draft and then added guy brought well brought guys in like Kevin Durant and Iguodala and you know so they took the right approach which is then in turn given them you know more lengthy success and and I'd I'd rather our Knicks be successful for like 10 plus years you know instead of having like you know what the Boston Celtics did you know what in the 
early mid two thousands had little short term success and then it was all over. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I'd rather long term success more than short term success, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm yeah to see Paul Pierce get roasted <laughs> for him saying yeah. foolish comment. It was like, come on, bro, that that one championship don't mean nothing. For the for the people who say let's trade for Anthony Davis, let's just put it into this context, right? Mitchell Robinson makes less than two million right now. Zion would make nine million. That means I'm giving the Pelicans eleven million in salary cap for three to four more years of good Mitchell Robinson and Zion Williamson play. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not rebuilding the Pelicans. <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say, plus the fact that you pretty much might as well hand them the championship too because, I mean, if you gave them Mitchell and Zion and, I don't know, you'd probably have to throw a few others in there, I guess, because, I mean, we saw we saw what the Lakers were willing to offer and so, I mean, you know, the Pelicans probably want more. Um <laughs> You know, so they, you, you might even have to throw in Trier or, or, or someone like that as well. So you, you'd get gut, completely gut your team for a guy um, that cannot stay on the court. Like he, he really, <laughs> he really gets under my skin. You know, he's one of those guys. Again, it's like you've got all this talent. And you just can't say, I mean, as I said, I think I told you, like, he was kind of about a sore finger. I mean, like, Michael Jordan played in a game where he was nearly out on his feet under the flu. I mean, come on, Anthony, take the finger up, mate, and get out on the court. (laughs) Come on, man. That's why you commend guys like Dennis Smith Jr. Obviously, he was playing hurt. 15 games this season. Well, now 16. And for him to show that type of grit shows me that he wants to be a New York Nick. And people, it's the Anthony Davis stuff is just it just kills me. Let let me ask you let, last segment. Let me ask you a great question, Anthony Davis. Right? Yeah. You know how these players always just almost never gets traded to the team that they ask for. It's never on the list. Yeah. Give me five teams you think you will see him on next season. Uh, good question. Um, okay, well, I'll, I'm just going to say straight off the bat, I have this feeling just because they want to, they just want to piss off the uh, the organization. He's not going to get sent to the lake. No, I I, I know that for a no. fact. He's not going there. No. No. Um, and and uh, so the five teams I could see, and I've always see I've always had this perception. I mean, okay, the Pelicans play in the Western Conference, <clears throat> so if they can, they're going to try, in my personal opinion, to avoid sending him to another Western Conference team because that's just going to put them at a disadvantage if he does stay healthy. You know what I mean? So I can't see them in it. Just me personally making another Western Conference uh, opponent stronger. Um, I mean, there still always might be that possibility if, if they're not getting the offers they want or, or, or what have you, that they might just take the best that you, it's out there. But uh, five teams I could maybe see going for him that people are maybe not thinking about. Um, I mean, I could see Toronto, and that's going to be a surprise to people, me saying that. But uh, Masai just, I mean, you know, he wheels, he deals. If they lose Kawhi, they're going to be looking to add someone else up there to keep keep the ball rolling. Um, he won't want to go backwards. So, I mean, I could see them maybe maybe sticking their nose in there. I could see the Golden State Warriors. I think, I think they know Kevin Durant's going. I think they know he's going. Um, I don't know if they're going to try and maybe keep DeMarcus Cousins, but if they don't and they only max out Clay, I have a feeling they may may jump in and look at, into trading for Anthony Davis. Um, and even though, yeah, that is a Western Conference team, I have been hearing a bit of noise about it lately. Um, I could possibly see Miami Heat now... I know you look at their roster and people may say, oh, yeah, they've got some, they've got some, you know, picks there. They've got some talent there. But 
then other people are saying, oh, yeah, maybe they don't, might not have enough, but it's Pat Riley. So I'm throwing the Miami Heat in there. Um, how many is that? That's Heat, Warriors. Um, I could probably – I don't know why I get this feeling. Oh, that's why I said the Raptors. I, um, I get this feeling maybe a Detroit or Milwaukee somehow yeah. would look at <laughs> getting in, you know, you get you going well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking like I've seen, I've noticed, I've just watched the last couple of seasons, for example, with Milwaukee, um, how their management sort of gone about bringing different players in, apart from who they've drafted, obviously. Um, so they're they're obviously willing to sort of switch it up and and maybe like look at bringing in different players to bring in with Gian. And I mean, that would be scary if, if they could oh swing a trade for Anthony Davis. Oh my goodness. I, yo, that was one of the Davis. I don't know why I got that feeling. I think he's, he, here's my five tennis real, real quick. Milwaukee, Indiana, I could see the Clippers sneaking their nose in there. And I'll say Detroit. And it's Oh, and I got a sneaky team too, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta, I could see Atlanta saying, hey, look, we got John Collins and we'll give you the sixth pick. Yeah, yeah, I could see see that as well. I could see them just saying, you know what, we're going to go all in on Trey Young. We're going to go all in. We're going we to use that fifth pick. We're going to get another guy like Jared Culver, and we're going to get Anthony Davis. We're going to fit him right in. Yeah. Orlando, I could see them trading. You could sign and trade Yusevich. You could trade... Um, Mo Bamba, you could probably give up your first draft pick unprotected. Oh, would you would you think that if they didn't think of that route, would you think because they've I've obviously thought about it before? Do you think that they may offer up Aaron Gordon if they were to go for a trade? Yeah, I think I, it depends because you would want a a team like that. You're saying. Okay, if I give you Aaron Gordon, I'm not giving you Mo Bamba. No, exactly. And and the only other reason I was thinking Aaron Gordon too is if say they offered him and then decided to I, I don't know how they'd do it, but I guess they they could find a way. But say they managed to keep Vucevic there and then maybe play Anthony if they got Anthony Davis, um playing him at power forward. I, I can see that happening. I could see that happening. I could see I could see Indiana trading Miles Turner for Anthony Davis. We'll give you yeah. some bonus as well. Pair him up with Victor Adelipo. I, I agree with that too. Because, um, like, oh, well, from what I've heard in the rumblings over the last few months, they've sort of – I wouldn't – I don't know if I'd say soured, but – with they, they've gone a little bit off Miles Turner, I've noticed. Um, and, I mean, he ha- – he hasn't had exactly the most outstanding year that I think they. I think I think they. He hasn't reached the level that they were kind of expecting him maybe to be at at the moment. Um, uh, true, true. He lead the league in blocks, though. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, it's again. He's similar in the sense, like, I mean, obviously, he's a little bit more quieter on on the offensive side to the person I was going to mention. But well, I mean. Andre Drummond, I know he's an old-fashioned centre, but um, like when when he's balling and he's say putting up what twenty and ten or twenty and fifteen, and I've seen him got twenty and twenty, I think at once. Um, you know, like yeah, he just he doesn't get the ignore. What I mean, sort of thing. Like people, I see people sort of like go off him or there's, you know, that Detroit's obviously thought at times of trading him as well. Um, you know, so. I read a stat on Drummond. 
Drummond is the first player in NBA history, his first five seasons, to have a thousand points, thousand rebounds, hundred steals, hundred blocks. Yeah, yeah. I think he's very underrated. I think he's very underrated, and I, I think he gets a little bit bad press because they, they sort of look at him and go, "Well, okay, just because you're not, you know, sort of the the centre of of how the NBA is played today, in in um, you know, that he sort of gets a little bit." Trash talk to guests, even even from analysts, and and you know you see on ESPN and that oh you know Anthony Drummond he's uh, no we wouldn't have him up in our top you know centers and that but I, I, as again I think he's very underrated like I I think this is my person with my, um, personal belief I, I just have this weird feeling if the Sacramento Kings I know they've got a bit of interest in Vucevic but if they don't get Vucevic then I have this feeling because. They're not sure what Corley Stein is. Um, they might look at maybe trying to go after Andre Drummond and teaming him with Aaron, De'Aaron Fox. Mm. That's a good – I didn't think about that. That's a good trade. Mm. That's a good mm. trade. That's a good trade. I like that trade. Because, like uh, I mean, I've got, I've got some friends that are, that are Kings fans and, um, you know, they they've – you know, they obviously watch or go to all, all the games, our uh, home games. And, you know, they even they tell me, like, they said, you know, we, we expect this so much from Corley Stein. And then he's like, one game he'll go out and he'll get a double-double and he'll play his heart out. And then two, three games after that, he just, you know, he's not <laughs> he's not living up to what they were expecting him to be. Um, I've caught a couple of games. I obviously caught the games that they played against us. And, um, yeah, I don't know, something... Something about his mother that sort of, yeah, troubles me for, for that. Yeah. He got that motor. That's, oh, thank God for Mitchell Robinson. Thank, oh, my exactly. God. That exactly. Um, absolutely. I'm with you, man. I, I absolutely love him. And that that's why oh, it annoys me when I, when I see people going, oh, let, let's, let's add him in the trade and all. Let's trade him. And I'm like sitting there going, but he could be. Anthony Davis, like, I, I, again, I, I've I've studied him. Like, I've watched that much footage on him because I, I wanted to because I was interested when we picked him. So I thought, oh, I'm going to look this guy up, you know. And I know he hasn't been able to unleash what I was watching him do in high school. Uh, again, as we know, because they wanted to lock down the defensive fundamentals with him. And I think he's exceeded that. Um so yeah, he he. I actually see him being. Yeah, you know, it's a big statement to make, but I, I can see him being better than Anthony Davis because I have this feeling he'll stay on the court more than Anthony Davis. Uh, he's tougher than Anthony Davis. Uh, he's not scared to take knocks. You know, he's he's not scared, man. Like he's <laughs> he's a baller. Like and um, once he starts opening up the floor, I've been saying for oh, weeks, months, that he's, oh, I could see him easily being a stretch five because I believe that once he's comfortable shooting his three-point shot, obviously from the NBA three-point line, um, yeah, watch out. <laughs> watch out yeah. is all I'm going to say. Yeah, I've, I've got no worries with him. Yeah, no no worries, no worries. Um, um. He's a he's a guy. I can't. I don't know what to do with him. I just like him as a player. I think you know what it is. It's the it's the Kentucky thing. It's yeah, the Kentucky. I think he's just going to grow into one of those players. You're like, wow. <laughs> and and Kentucky players, uh, they're tough. That's what Calipari. You know, he he all his players that come into the NBA, they're tough. I mean, granted, poor. John Wall, like that—that's probably half the reason he, he gets as injured as what he gets is because of how tough and he plays and and how fast he runs up down that court. Um, but they're tough; they're mentally tough, you know. Like De'Aaron Fox, he may not have had the best rookie season, but he put himself out there. Like he, he was not afraid. That's what I see from a lot of the Kentucky players coming. They're just not scared, man. They—they'll just get in there. They'll do their job. Um, as best they can, obviously. 
um, they're going to get knocked around a bit. But they'll take the knocks. They'll they'll take the hits. They'll they'll take the bad games with the good. Um, but he gets his players ready. Um, he's one coach I've always at college level I've always loved because he gets his 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 players ready for the next level. Um, you know, I mean, Coach, Coach K does does do, do a good job at, at Duke and, and getting players ready for the next level as well. But Calipari's players are always tough. That That's the one big factor I've always loved about him. They're just tough as nails. Yeah, yeah. Even even with NBA the past about 10, 15 years, you see most of the Kentucky players as the All-Stars each yeah. and every single year. So, yeah, you just see the progression in the, in, in, the, in those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Cal- Calipari, as he said, he it, it is going to take a little bit of time with with Knox, um, you know, and he and he is young, but he he could see what a lot of people that that enjoy Knox's game can see, you know, and 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 all this season, he whether he's he's had an up and down season or not, he, he has made improvement. Like from what. The second half half of this season, he's he's every game he's shown improvement, and especially these last last few games. Um, yeah, like massive improvement from where he was at the start of the season, where he was before just before the All Star break. Like um, that's what I like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, Not rushing, and I, yeah, yeah, um, he's definitely. I, I think he's doing enough now, or showing enough now. Uh, to close out this season, to sort of silence his doubters a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Kevin Knox is the golden child. It's it's three games left. And May 14th is a very important day. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to mention that. Every, oh, yeah. Every podcast, please, we need all the positive energy to go into this May 14th lottery. That day is going to be either a very sad day or it's going to be a very great day. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And and I think, like I was saying to you earlier, um, I I think, like, you know, I've had sleepless nights. I guarantee there's a lot of Knicks fans having sleepless nights leading into this, to the May 14th, uh, you know, when the ping pong balls land. and, and, you know, yeah. I, I think, like I've told you, I, I've come to the realisation, like, I, I believe, I, I, really, I strongly believe that we're going to get definitely a top three pick. I, I really strongly believe we won't be picking outside the top three. Um, so having that strong belief that we won't um, and on the off chance that, say, we don't get pick one, but we get pick two or three. Uh, I I can sort of put my mind at ease knowing that Jarrett Culver and RJ Barrett would be there to pick. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind RJ, man. I and mind and and in saying with those two, I mean, you know, I know it's it's not going to be the blockbuster that we all want. It's not going to be Zion, but. Um, I love both those two kids' games. I'd be quite comfortable and, and probably quite satisfied coming away if we did get picked two or three with either RJ or Jarrett Culver. Because um, in my eyes, Jarrett Culver uh, has jumped Jean Morant. I think Morant may be sitting or go at four or five. Um, you know, so I think I think Culver and RJ on most people's boards now would be, you know, two or three or opposite way around. Um, so I'd, I'd be happy getting one of those two guys if, if we did miss Zion. So that, that also, I guess, can make people sleep comfortable knowing that out of those three guys, I, I strongly believe we're going to walk away with one of those three guys. All right. Definitely, definitely, man. Definitely sleepless nights. Oh, my Jesus. All right. <laughs> that, 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 that was a good one. That was episode 30, people. Anything else you want to say to the people, man, Mr. Mitchell? Anything else yeah. you want to say before we get just, out of here? Just want to send all, all love out to Knicks fans. Um, obviously, when, when you go to bed at night, let's all let's all pray for that number one pick, obviously. That's what we're aiming for. That's why we're here. That's why we're all 
having sleepless nights and uh, yeah, bring on May fourteenth, hey? <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that was it, everybody. I definitely agree. Everybody, we all have the sleepless nights. It's hard to sleep at night. You need that number one pick, Zion Williamson. Please, Adam Silver, throw the dog a bone. But shout outs to everybody tuning in. I appreciate it. Me and my guy, Mr. Mookie Mitchell, episode 30, State of the New York Nation podcast. Peace.